welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Don Zuby, and you should be so delighted to join us today for some Magic the Gathering talk. Now, you may come here wondering, why are you talking like that, Zuby? You know, there just wasn't enough time to properly come up with the right introduction here. Now, if you're brand new to this show, we talk about a game called Magic the Gathering, and it's, it's a wonderful game. But you come to me now, not in friendship, that you just never wanted to remain in a debt to me as you, as you listen to this show. So, we're just going to get right on with it here, and um, yeah. So, if you're brand new to this show, we talk about a little known game called Magic the Gathering. It's a card game. It's very lovely. It's a very lovely time of year. But I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Okay. You're going to listen to this show. And then you're going to realize what the fuck was Zuby on while making this shit. That's all I got to say. But anyways, so um, this show I like to bring on you know, content creators to pro players to cosplayers to many more. As well as have solo episodes where I do random crazy shit like this. And just sort of go on and on about it. Um, yeah, so, alright, I, I guess before we get in, let's get some announcements out of the way here. So, Magic with Zuby is scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando, Orlando, if I knew how to say it, Orlando, Grand Prix Orlando, not Orlando, Orlando, um, Orlando from August 10th through the 12th, as well as Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. Uh, Magic Wazubi can be found on the following Facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi Twitter at Magic Wazubi And Gmail at MTGZubi at Gmail.com If you want to email me for any questions you may have um, This podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Tune, and Radio Okay, I think I'll stop I don't know, maybe Maybe I'll keep throwing it in there every so often Just so, hey, forget about it Hey, what you doing over there? Hey, Don Zuby Hey, Ah, forget about it. You're Fugazi. That's what you are. All right. All right. So Magic with Zuby is sponsored by the following. All right. LegitMTG.com. If you want to get any Magic singles or sealed product and get free shipping, you just need to order $2 or more. Hey, hey. Oh, whoa. Hey, that's a good deal right there. Hey, oh, oh, oh. What you know about that? All right. And we're also brought to you by Manatraders.com. Are you tired of buying singles in order to play on events in Magic Online? No more. Mana Traders allows you to rent any cards and decks you want for a monthly price. Be sure to check them out and use coupon code MTGZUBI. When you check out and get 15% off your first three months, that's MTGZUBI. That's M-T-G-Z-U-B-Y. Uh, the savings are real, folks. I've been getting a lot more people signing up for it, and they've been telling me how much they love the service. And it is a very good service. Manatraders.com does a very good uh, service there. Definitely worth it. Um, oh yeah, if you want to support Magic Wazubi on Patreon, you can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash If you go there and check it out, there's going to be an offer you can't refuse, or you may be sleeping with the fishes. Hey, you like fishes? Listen to this next commercial right here. Let me ask you a question. Have you been living the Tier 2 life to the fullest? 
Welcome to Fission, a podcast where we discuss a deck with pun potential that's off the scales. From deck techs to sideboard guides to gameplay videos and in-depth Dirk Diggler speculation, there is guaranteed to be something for you. So look for Fission, a merfolk podcast wherever you find your podcasts and at MTG on all the social media sites. We'll see you on the net. He's Tim. And he's Harry. And we're about to turn paper sideways. Turn Paper Sideways is a fortnightly podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering, from current affairs to our favourite format, Commander. Join us as we break down new decks, review new sets, and discuss new and old strategies. Find us on your podcast app, on YouTube, and on soundcloud.com forward slash Sideways. You can also find us on Twitter, at TPSMTG. Cheerio! Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! How's it going, everybody? Uh, so, thanks for putting up with my weirdness there a little bit earlier. So, not much has really been going on in the Zuby household. Um, I've not been playing any Magic lately. It's like last weekend was really busy, and just yeah, it's it's like the lack of a local LGS, at local local game store uh, that's actually nearby, not an hour drive, has really killed my desire to play magic and i haven't even touched magic online honestly i haven't touched arena at all i've just not really been interested um yeah i mean well no that is a lie i have i played some commander with the kids and all that but that that's just always more of a continuously teaching you know type type ordeal it's not exactly playing in a kind of relaxed environment if that if you understand what I mean, because, you know, I'm having to teach and teaching them how to play and all that. So, yeah, I mean, it's been been pretty quiet on my end as far as the magic front goes. I got my Jace spellbook finally. I know I talked about that in an episode months ago. Or God, it feels like months ago. I don't even remember when they announced it, but I got to say, I love this whole spellbook idea. Now that I finally have the actual, you know, Jace spellbook cards... I freaking love them. I love the whole frame. I love the art. I love um I love the set of cards. I mean, yeah, it's negate and counter spell and you know, brainstorm, like not the greatest kind of spells, but just the art on them and just you know, it's I, I know it's sort of like our pseudo from the vault, which isn't a from the vault, but you know, for I spent twenty five bucks on it and I know MSRP is twenty dollars, so I paid five dollars more and I'm perfectly okay with that, and I'm happy with it. I hope they do more. I hope this isn't a once-a-year type thing. I'd like to see it at least twice a year, you know, and not just have it or yeah, keep doing Planeswalkers. There's so many Planeswalkers out there that they could just keep doing this, and I'd love to see it again. I'd love to see more, and it's just a really great product, and 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with it, and I, I've heard some criticisms about it, but you know, it's you can't beat it. And plus, I'm gonna be putting all these cards in EDH decks anyway, so. You know, I ended up getting a foil negate. Yeah, not the greatest foil. Um, I was really hoping for either a foil counter spell or a foil um, uh, the brainstorm. But, you know, you get what you get. I mean, yeah, I could buy more and all that. But, eh, no, nah, I don't really need it. I, I, I like it. Probably the best card for me in here is the Mystical Tutor card. Because, you know, I need to mystically tutor up that Cyclonic Rift in EDH. Because people love me when I do that, apparently. So... Yeah, I, I guess the the kind of topics for tonight are going to be pretty light here, to be honest. Um, I've only really got one topic, and I want to talk about the standard metagame. Um, I will be honest, I haven't been following the metagame that much, but I wanted to take a look at some past tournaments that have been going on lately and actually see, is Red really taking over the format? Is Goblin Chain Whirler warping the format like everybody says he is? So let's first look at some top eight results from two, the past two standard Grand Prix. I'm looking at Grand Prix Copenhagen and Grand Prix Pittsburgh. From it's, Grand Prix Pittsburgh was just this past weekend, and Grand Prix Copenhagen was back on the 10th of June. So by the time you're listening to this, actually by the time this comes out, it's going to be the end of the month. Jesus, June went by fast, didn't it? Shit. Um. So so looking at Grand Prix Copenhagen, if we look at the top eight. It's a pretty scary story in terms of red decks. We've got number one at red deck wins, uh, your basic mono red aggro deck with Goblin Chain Whirler in it. Then at number two is Rakdos Aggro, which is basic red black aggro, uh, essentially mono red but with some black kill spells in it and all that. Of course, Goblin Chain Whirler. Um, yeah, if I look at all the creatures, not a single black creature, unless you count Scrap Heap Scrounger, because it does have a black mana symbol in it to get it back. Other than that, they're all red creatures here. Um, then, of course, you got in third to fourth place is another red deck wins. Um, and then fifth through eighth place is three uh, red decks, two Rakdos aggro, and one red deck wins, mono red aggro. And they're pretty much all the same decks for the most part. I mean, the the Rakdos aggro decks are essentially the same, and the two the two mono red decks are essentially the same. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six out of the top eight that are running Goblin Chain Whirler. So last weekend, Grand Prix Pittsburgh tells a little bit different story in terms of the the mono red aggro here. We've got at number one red deck wins. Mono red, mono red aggro again, uh, and then at third to fourth place is Rakdos aggro, pretty much the same decks from as you know the previous Grand Prix, and then at fifth to eighth place is another Rakdos deck, essentially the same deck, just slightly different. Um, but so that's only three red decks in the top eight. The others were a Demir mid range, which that's pretty interesting here, pretty interesting build. Um, and then a God Pharaoh, a blue white God Pharaoh's gift. Uh, nice to see that make a comeback. Then Esper Control, blue black control, and blue white control decks. So three control decks, which is very interesting as well. So I mean, it's, both Grand Prix tell a very different story. And granted, I understand that you know you don't always want to look at the top eight because we don't know what everybody else was playing at the same time. Um, as well too but 
it's suffice to say that red is probably the best color in standard right now if we had to take a look um but when we look at the metagame percentages, if we look at MTG Goldfish, just if we look at their metagame percentages, red-black aggro takes up about 9.46%. Uh, Esper Control takes up 8.11%. Mono Red takes up 7.43%. And Blue-Black Midrange takes up 6.76%. Um, and then there is another... So they have two Mono Red aggro decks, so... Here, here we go. I'm going to get a calculator out and really calculate, you know, how much red is at least dominating the top eight decks here. Because the rest of the decks are sort of like, you know, the the mono green stompy, you know, splashing black and some counter decks. Um, so if we look at the the red decks here, uh, 9.46 plus 7. Oops, if I knew how to do math correctly, 9.46 plus 7. 43 plus 4.73 they equals about 21.62 percent of the meta that goblin chain whirler is in so does that tell me that's format warping um not exactly is goblin chain whirler a really pushed and really strong card yes it is a ridiculously strong card and i'm surprised that people didn't see this early on i mean three red is really easy to get especially if you're doing mono red because even without goblin chain whirler mono red was still putting up numbers as well it's just now that goblin chain whirler it's just pushing it over the edge there now and with all the and with the return of mana dorks with lanowar elves i mean lanowar elves is pretty much useless past turn two you know i mean yeah it may like if you're playing mono green stompy or some sort of green black counters deck, yeah it may help you in the first you know turn or two but you're almost better off with servant of the conduit if you're doing a black green counters deck right um lanowar elves just isn't going to help you there because at least servant of the conduit is a 2-2 and doesn't is isn't going to die if goblin chain whirler hits the field so should goblin chain whirler be banned that that's the big question that everybody's asking i want to say no i don't think it should be banned and i feel like it's too early to call for bans because everybody and i've talked about this with past episodes the past couple years of standard have been freaking terrible all right i have episodes previously talking about this all right i don't know what numbers they are off the top of my head but i was just talking about how these standard bands are not good for the format it is very detrimental to players that you know that the fnm players the casual players that hey they may have just built this mono red deck spent money on it and boom oh look goblin chain whirlers banned and now your deck is terrible you know that's that's never a feel good um is m19 gonna change the course for the the format i mean it, it's definitely gonna shake things up of course because any new cards is there's gonna be some cards that are gonna inject some new life into the format as usual but is it gonna you know take mono red off its throne i don't think it will and I mean, I feel like control is going to get more push now that we have Tezzeret coming out. There's probably going to be more of a push towards some sort of blue artifact control, possibly. Um, I mean, who knows exactly? But that new Tezzeret Planeswalker is really good, but it's not as good as Teferi, though. Teferi still is the better Planeswalker. But I mean, hey, having two blue Planeswalkers that help you draw cards in a standard format, why not play both? Obviously, you're going to want to lean more towards Teferi because it is the better card. 
But hey, maybe Tezzeret is a one-over in sideboard or something isn't that bad because the Tezzeret Planeswalker can protect itself, but it does play a 1-1, one -one, so it is going to be bad against Goblin Chain Whirler. I don't know. Who knows what the heck is going to happen here, but I still feel like Mono Red is still going to be on the throne until rotation, which is going to be happening this October, which is not that far away, to be honest. I mean, we're at the end of June here. It's going to be July very, very quickly, so we've got like three months essentially until the standard rotation happens where we're going to be losing Kaladesh all the way up to Hour of Devastation and that's going to be really detrimental to Red here. Red is going to lose a lot of good stuff. A Braid, it's going to lose Soul Scar Mage, it's going to lose um, Hazard. Um, you know, it's, it's going to lose a lot of, you know, spells that it's used to having. Uh, what else? It's going to lose Oncrop Casher, Bomat Courier, the Earthshaker Kenra is going away. Karazev. Now, are there going to be other red cards that are going to replace it? Sure. Um, I think that Goblins is going to be a thing after rotation because there's a lot of good Goblin cards coming out. I mean, we got Siege Gang Commander. We've got Goblin War Chief. Um, and there were some other Goblin cards printed in M19 that don't seem to be that bad. I mean, it, there's that one in a red Goblin that produces another 1-1 one, one red Goblin token that's like a poor man's Mog's, Mog's War Marshal. Um, instead of, I, th I think that's the name of the card. A poor man's Mog's, Mog's War Marshal? Well, let me look it up. Yeah, Mog, Mog War Marshal. Um, you know, so... I mean, the, there's still going to be utility for red. We're still going to have lightning strike and wizard's lightning and all that. And shock. Shock is still going to be around, right? Holy shit. Is shock going away? Or no, didn't they reprint shock in M19? Oh my God. Let me look. I can't remember now off the top of my head. Um, da, 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 da. I thought they did reprint shock in M19, didn't they? Mythicspoiler.com. Oh my gosh, Shock, where are you? I think, I want to say they did reprint Shock in M19. Yeah, they, they have Lightning Strike in M19, so that's going to be there. I mean, I know Lightning Strike was reprinted in Ixalan. Um, I really thought they got Shock again. Yeah, they did have Shock in M19, so Shock's not going away either. So, I mean, like I said, there's still going to be utility spells. We're going to lose Chandra, but we have Jaya Ballard, which isn't as good as Chandra. But, hey, maybe there'll be another Red Planeswalker taking her place. And, oh, we are losing Glorybringer. No! My favorite dragon of the format. Like, the past few standard formats, there's always been one dragon that I really love. You know, Thunderbreak region, Glorybringer. Um, and right now, there's no dragon that replaces, I mean, Virix Bladewing, no, you're not a good dragon. You're pretty terrible. You know, Glorybringer, you'll always bring glory to my heart, that's for sure. So, I mean, I, I really don't think we should ban Goblin Chain Whirler at all. I, I, I feel like it's, it's unnecessary, it's uncalled for. Yeah, it sucks right now, but who knows, maybe, maybe we'll see some breakout decks with M19 coming out. And hell, rotation's right around the corner. Is that warranted for it to be banned if it's going to be, you know, completely nerfed when rotation happens? I don't think so. I mean, I, I know it's not a very expensive card. It's like, what, a 5 $6 card right now? But it's to me, it's just not worth being banned. We don't need more bans, Wizards. We need healthier metagame formats. And the, the metagame isn't the worst it's been. We've had much worse metagame formats metagame um formats and standard or um 
Yeah. Because then does everybody remember collected company for color rally? Then Bant collected company. I don't miss I don't I miss those decks, but I don't, if that makes any sense. Like I miss playing them because they were really fun, powerful decks, but when everybody was playing the same deck, it got really boring. And then you would try to metagame against it, but collected company is just such a ridiculous card. So I wanted to go over the standard ban list here real quick and see, can any of these cards be taken off the list right now? So the current standard ban list, if we look at all the cards that are currently banned, um, yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cards that are banned, and five of those cards are in the Kaladesh Aether Revolt block. Um, the other two, one's in Ixalan and the other one's in Hour of Devastation. So let's go over the cards real quick in case you forgot or if you just may not be familiar with it. Uh, first one is Aetherworks Marvel. It's a four um, casting cost artifact. Whenever a permanent you control is put into the graveyard, you get one energy. You can pay six energy and look at the top six cards of your library. You may cast a card from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So... If you weren't familiar with this card or you weren't playing standard, then it was basically turn four, spin the wheel, and you get an Ulamog or Emrakul out. Most likely Ulamog. And you'd have a turn four Ulamog and just pretty much take away the game. Um, it was it was not the worst. I mean, you could deal with Aetherworks Marvel, you know, either by countering it or destroying the artifact as quickly as you could, but pretty much... If you got them to spin the wheel, there was a very good chance that they were gonna dig through the deck to find a really good, really good card. So, I mean, you think they would have learned their lesson from Collected Company when they were making this card? Well, no, they wouldn't have, but because they wouldn't even know what the standard metagame would have looked like during the time they were creating this card. But hey, you you live and learn. Uh, the other card that was banned, and I'm still salty about this card being banned, because. Um, yeah, I get it. I understand. It's such a good card, but it's not—it's not as bad as Aetherworks Marvel, and that's Smuggler's Copter. It's a two casting cost vehicle, three-three flyer. When Smuggler's Copter attacks or blocks, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card, and it crew one. So essentially, in you know, you'd play like Bant or blue-white vehicles or even Mardu vehicles. And um, you'd get Thraben Inspector out and crew this by turn three to attack with a Smuggler's Copter. And just the, the looting effect was alone to make this card ridiculous. Should it be banned now um, with so much artifact hate out and a lot of easy ways, especially with a braid out? I feel like it'd be very interesting to see what this card would be like with it being unbanned, but... I mean, a lot of people made sense. It was banned because you could literally put it in any deck, almost any deck. It doesn't matter what, you know, what you're playing. You put it in the deck and boom, it's good. So I still feel like it shouldn't be banned, but hey, what do I know? This next card, this next card was just a mistake altogether. And yeah, it, it deserved to be banned because it was, and I think Wizards even admitted this card was a mistake. It still... It's still like, what the heck was Wizards thinking here? Um, I've had previous podcasts talking about this, especially last year around this time. That's Felidar Guardian. Felidar Guardian is a three and a white cat beast, one four. When Felidar Guardian enters the battlefield, you may exile another target permanent. 
you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So essentially we had Splinter Twin in standard because this would pair with Sahili Ray, which is a one blue and red casting cost. So you'd basically be playing Jeskai Splinter Twin and you would play turn three Sahili Ray, then hopefully Sahili Ray doesn't die, then turn four, play Felidar Guardian, bounce Sahili Ray, it comes back, you make a copy of Felidar Guardian, then you bounce Sahili Ray over and over again, infinitely an amount of times, and then you just swing an attack because the the copy that the token that Sahili Ray creates does give it haste. So this card was a mistake through and through. It should have said target creature you control, but you know, it was an oversight. I, I still really, really wonder how they didn't catch that when they were making this card. I know this is before they had the play design team, but I still remember, like, as soon as this card was spoiled, the internet immediately knew, like, oh my gosh, this is Splinter Twin, essentially. And, and you know, th- there's a lot to be said for when you're working on something and you're very close to that project, you don't really see what's wrong with it until you do get an outside perspective on it. So I guess I can understand how they missed it because they were very close to the project. But, man, it's like the Internet caught it within seconds as soon as it was spoiled. And, I mean, Wizards must have had to have been thinking, oh, crap, we done goofed. So next on our list is Attune with Aether. It's a one green sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card. Reveal it, put it in your hand, then shelf your library. You get two energy. So last year, uh, when Ixalan came out, there was a deck that went around everywhere called Teamer Energy. And Attune with Aether, you could basically play 20 lands with Teamer Energy. And and you play four copies of Attune with Aether. That was essentially your four extra lands. Um... I definitely thought Teamer Energy was beatable. Um, losing a tune with Aether was definitely, definitely hurt it. But I, f- I get it. It was a really powerful card, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was really easy for mana fixing. Plus, energy was. There was really no way to get rid of energy. I mean, there was solemnity, however you say, however you say it. But um, you know. I don't like this card being banned. I, I agree with the next card on the list, but I don't like a I don't like a tune with Aether banned. I mean, it's yeah, it, it is a good card. It's really good mana fixing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, does anybody remember playing Team or Energy? I played that deck. I had you know the best list on there. I played. A, I definitely played a more control variation of it. That deck was boring. I'm sorry to say that deck was so boring. The Saltai Energy version of it was a, at least a little bit more interesting. I loved Jun Energy though. Um, Jun Monsters, Jun Energy. I loved playing Jun Monsters and Jun Energy. That that was that was my go-to deck. Teamer Energy though, I was so bored with that deck. I have to be honest. I was bored to tears playing it, and I would play lesser tier decks just to have some fun because teamer energy was just so boring so next on our list is rogue refiner rogue refiner is one green and a blue human rogue three two when it enters a battlefield draw a card and you get two energy does this deserve to be banned if there were wizards made the mistake of not allowing you to interact with energy more there should have been some sort of drain energy card in in the Kaladesh Aether Revolt block somewhere. Even if it was one card and it costs three mana or four mana, 
you know, generic mana, whatever. Just be like, hey, drain your opponent for two to three energy. That that would have been a lot more helpful against energy decks. But if Rogue Refiner was just when enters the battlefield, draw a card, it probably would have stayed in standard, not get banned. But since it gave you energy, that's pretty much what got it the axe. And that was, you know, one of the best cards in team or energy as well, too. Uh, next on our list, and this was just a byproduct of some of the bands with the Tune with Aether and Rogue Refiner. Um, that's Rampaging Ferocidon and Ixalan, two in a red. <laughs> this card barely saw play. And, well, I, I don't mean barely saw play. I mean more of it didn't have a long lifespan in, um, in Standard. It lasted, what, three months, I think? Right before Rivals of Ixalan came out, I want to say. So, Rampaging Ferocidon's a tuner red 3-3 dinosaur. It has menace. Players can't gain life. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Ferocidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. So, essentially, if you're playing any kind of token deck or a deck that plays a lot of creatures, this creature was just very powerful. And it, it was banned as a result of also... Because since Team or Energy was going to be severely nerfed, um, they wanted to nerf red decks as well. So to try to open up some more strategies. And that was also why Ramanop Ruins was banned as well too. Um, Ramanop Ruins is a desert land from Hour of Devastation. You can add you know, one generic mana to your mana pool. You can pay one life, add red to your mana pool. Or you can pay two and two red to sack a desert. And Ramanop Ruins deals two damage to each opponent. So essentially when you were playing mono red aggro... Um, you'd have at least four of these lands in your deck. And, you know, of course, with Mono Red Aggro or Mono Red Burn, you want to kill your opponent the quickest way possible. This was just another way to help you out here. Did this card deserve to be banned? <sighs> God, it's, it's always so hard to answer because looking back on it, it made sense why it was banned. I mean, especially with, especially now with how prevalent red is in standard, yeah, maybe it should stay banned and... You know, I mean, Mono Red's still really freaking good and standard right now. It doesn't need more help. So, yeah, so th that's the ban list right now. And um, can any of the cards be taken off? If I had to take off a single card in this list, it would probably be between Smuggler's Copter and Attune with Aether. I think right now, the safest one would probably be Attune with Aether. And that would probably just help the energy decks a little bit at least for the next three months before it rotates out and i'd be interested to see what would happen with the metagame at that point you know i would think green black would definitely make a comeback maybe um salt eye but glint sleeve siphoner is a much weaker card right now because of goblin chain whirler because you you have to think about those um and any creature with one toughness it's, it's you gotta does it face the the chain whirler um test you know so I, i'd definitely be interested in seeing that unbanned and seeing what would happen you know try to push some other colors besides red um so yeah that is some of my thoughts on magic here uh next we're going to be talking about some dnd so before i get into that i did pose a question on um twitter asking you know how would how would you guys feel if i talked about some non-magic related stuff and most of the non-magic related stuff is going to be DD related mostly most of the time and i'm not going to do it all the time as well just sort of like how i did before because um and basically i and a lot of you pretty much everybody answered yes i had three options you know 
basically yes, no, and you do you. Um, pretty much everybody picked yes or you do you, you know, meaning that, hey, you, you, you be yourself. And I got resounding positive um resounding positive response from it so i am going to bring back some dnd i will say this i haven't really talked about it too much i was really trying to start a third podcast about dnd and it just got to a point and it was going to be very very infrequent but it just got to a point where it wasn't recording the show recording the show that that's the easy part a lot of people don't understand when it comes to the actual recording and making of the content that's the easy part when it comes to content creation. It's everything else after the fact, the marketing, the promoting, the getting yourself out there, networking and all that. So I wanted to really start a D&D podcast, a third podcast called Role Playing with Zuby, and I have declined to do so. I did record one episode. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll release that or something because it's a pretty standard introduction episode and introduction to my tabletop role-playing life if anybody's interested in hearing it let me know maybe i'll put it up on the patreon and you guys can you know decide for yourselves if you like it or not um but it was just it was just so daunting to think about trying to promote it and network it and i have I have a hard enough time trying to do Magic with Zuby and then VCR gaming as well. I can't. I couldn't imagine adding a third one that I would just do more for fun, but I wouldn't just want it to lay on the wayside and just never go anywhere. You know what I mean? So I'm going to bring back some D&D content to the show, and it's going to be very infrequently. It's perfect for episodes like this where there's really not a whole lot of Magic news going on, and I haven't even really been playing Magic, and... It's. I'm really hoping to get back into some magic playing because, damn, I, I friggin' need it. But the lack of a game store that's nearby is really killing it for me. So, all right, he, here's some D&D content, guys. So I'm sure I've mentioned on the show before that I had a campaign that went on for close to, like, 10 years almost. And I DM'd 99% of it. Um, so w- what I would always do after uh, finishing up a session is I had a Word document that I would, you know, type up, you know, just some cliff notes of, hey, this is what happened, you know, with all the party and all the members and all that. And I found that document and I've been reading it uh, the past like week or two and just going on and thinking, what the fuck was I thinking with some of this stuff? You know, just I came up with some of the craziest stuff here. Um, one of the thing, and I, I would love to have a whole podcast just talking about some of the crazy stuff, but that's not today. Um, a lot of what I'm going to be discussing is just some, some of the, the crazy stories where they, they outsmarted me. All right. And, and I love those kind of stories because there'd be so many times where I'd put my players in a situation that, you know, not thinking that uh, it was completely unbeatable, but just sort of like, all right, I'm going to throw them for a loop here. And then they figure it out in five seconds. And you're just like, oh shit, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> you know, um, I always love that stuff. Before I get into that story, um, as I was reading through my cliff notes and granted, these are like over 10 years ago and all that stuff, or the last time we played was probably about five years ago now. And, um, I had a homebrew item that I called failed scrolls. So in my world, magic was very prevalent, you know, like, um, magic was pretty much everywhere. And, um, so 
what people would commonly sell would be, you know, spell scrolls, right? Magic scrolls, like, hey, you want to be able to do fireball at level one? Sure, here, you know, just pay me 100 gold. and Or, oh, you want to be able to do magic missile or whatever, whatever spell it may be, you know, you could buy a scroll for it. But what I created in this world was called failed scrolls. Failed scrolls were essentially whatever spell the wizard or magic user was trying to create. Um, they failed at it, right? Because, hey, they screwed up the spell or something. And m in most campaigns, if they failed making a scroll, they would just throw it away. But uh, a lot of times, this became sort of a novel novelty item because when they would find a failed scroll, it would do a random spell. It'd be basically a very, very small percent chance that the failed scroll would produce an actual useful spell. But most of the times, it would just be really stupid stuff, like you open up the scroll and um, you start farting butterflies for an hour, right? Or um, you open up the scroll and you turn into a frog, or you open up the scroll and um, it starts raining on you, just you. You know, just, just fun, silly stuff like that, because ba basically this is what I would do. Um, I would have them find a failed scroll and I would open up my notebook, my DM notebook, and I'd have them roll a D6 and I would come up, like write down six possible options and I'd, I'd have to write it really fast because I don't want to make the players wait. I'd be like, um, you know, farting butterflies, um, they fall down and, you know, sprain their ankle or, you know, just something dumb. And maybe one of the choices once in a great while, maybe, oh, you know, they do detect magic spell or something like that, you know, whatever it may be. And um, they were just very funny. So my players ended up liking them so much that I incorporated them more and more in the game. I mean, hell, I was just reading something to where my players were captured. So, so before my players got captured, they would purposely buy failed scrolls, right? So my players were captured. They were in the jail cell. Um, they took everything off the players, like their, their weapons. But um, one of them managed to convince the guards to let them keep his failed scrolls. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but in my cliff notes don't say how he was able to keep them, but he, he was able to keep this failed scrolls. So essentially what they did is when they broke out, um, they were, they got to a corridor or something and there were two guards there and they, and the one who had the failed scrolls, he managed to throw them at the guards and the guards were none the wiser. I mean, they were pretty dumb guards. So they opened up the failed scrolls and one of them ended up, you know, turning into a frog and the other one would just started dance like tap dancing or something. And, you know, it's it, funny situations like that, that they, they loved it. And, um, yeah, I, I should probably do a little write up on failed scrolls, maybe put it, publish it on DMs guild. I don't know if anyone's ever done. Pro, there's probably other people that have done similar stuff, but, um, yeah, I mean, if I were to do that, I'd probably have to write down, pr probably like have them roll a D 100 and come up with, you know, 100 possible craziness that could happen. And maybe out of the 110 of them may cast a real spell or something like that. I, th that should be fun. Maybe I should slowly work on that. Um, so the, the two stories that I have here, um, the, these happen pretty early on in the campaign. So, um, the, the first one was, what was it? He had a, he was a wizard and, um, his other the other character was like a ranger or hunter 
type, he was more of an animal tamer. Like, he was a ranger class, but could tame animals and all that. And, um... So, they got captured somewhere. And I... They... The the people... I don't even remember what kind of people they were. They may have been orcs or something that they got captured by. And, of course, they they capture them, but didn't take, take away their weapons. And, um... You know, stupid me. I forgot that completely because I just told him, all right, you guys were captured and, you know, you're put in the cell and everything. And the, the cell is in a cave. So it's, you know, it's all, you know, dirt walls and all that stuff. Well, I mean, not dirt, but like compacted, you know, walls that obviously been, you know, dug out and everything. And and, um, you know, then there's an iron door, you know, for for the jail cell, um, you know, no bars or anything like that. So, uh, the, the wizard had a fire staff that could basically like, if you get hit by it, you burn up, you know, they take fire damage. So he was smart enough to put the fire staff up against the iron door and let it heat up. Cause basically anything it would touch because I, I had it to where the staff was attuned to only him, where if anyone else touched it, they got burned. So he basically put it up against the iron door and I, I did allow it to heat up the door essentially. And so, you know, the door essentially not really caught on fire, but got super hot when the guards try to come in and, you know, they were able to escape that way. Not the most exciting story, but it was just a, an example of me as a DM forgetting to say something as simple as, oh, they took your weapons. Because of course my players asked, oh, well, you didn't mention they took our weapons, did they? And I'm like, Oh, you're right. Well, you guys are lucky that you keep your weapons right now. <laughs> you keep all your items. Because I, I am the type of DM where if I forget to say something and I don't correct myself immediately after the fact, or in a, and I've gone on talking for maybe five minutes or something, and they say, oh, well, you didn't mention this. I'm like, well, shit, you're right. Well, of course, you know, you guys are right. And, you know, this happens. Um, the other one was... And I'm, I'm sure I've told this story before. I can't remember if I have. If not, it's been on another podcast. So the, these players, um, the, one of the players was trying to uh, infiltrate the black market in the town. And he was trying to interrogate someone. And the person was being very non-persuasive. He was failing a lot of his roles. And he ended up, I can't remember if he killed the person or beat him to a pulp in the middle of a bar. And then, of course, the town guards start coming and, and the players do start killing and dispatching the guards. And then it gets to a point to where they killed a lot of guards where, oh, my gosh, all the guards in the town. Because it was it was a pretty big town. It was more like a very small city. And, of course, they get surrounded by 20 to 30 guards and they gave up at that point. They were going to be sentenced to death. So they're on the gallows, right? They're, they're waiting to be hung. And, of course... Um, you know, they have the, the ropes. There was like, what, three or four players. They have the ropes around their neck. And, you know, the, the executioner, before he pulls the lever, you know, says, hey, do you guys have any final words? You know, some of them do some speech. And then I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to give you one chance to get out of this. If you guys fail, you're all going to create new characters. And um, I made them roll like a D20. And I quick I quickly wrote down. Uh, I didn't do like a DC check or anything because what I like to do is I like to give chances to where, 
you know, n- not everything's going to be a difficulty check where, you know, hey, if you roll a certain number, hey, that may be the lucky number that saves your ass. So I, I did, I made them roll a d20 and I, I basically wrote down in my notebook, if they roll like a five or a six, they're, they're going to survive somehow. A deus ex machina is going to happen. Deus ex. I mean, um, so, you know, I have them roll. And of course, the one player who's you know the leader of the party is going to be like, all right, you know, he 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 goes like, all right, this is going to be it. This is going to be my lucky roll of the night. You know, we're we're going to survive this. He rolls, and I forget what number I chose. It was a low number, like a five or six. And I said, out of a five or six, they're going to survive. And of course, what does he roll? The exact number I wrote down. And I look, I look at my notebook, and I look at him. I look at my notebook. I look at him again. And I'm like. Are you fucking kidding me? You rolled the only number that was going to have you survive. Every other number was going to be certain death. And, of course, everybody cheered. You know, like, hey, we're not dead. Our characters weren't dead. Because they were, like, levels, what, four or five or something like that. So they've been playing them for a while. Like, a couple months at least. And um, so, basically, what I had happen is... You know, obviously they're not going to be able to escape out of the gallows or anything, but all of a sudden there is a loud, you know, rumbling, a loud noise going on outside of town. And then, and then I say like, okay, so a giant bear comes barreling into town. And I mean, this giant bear is like, if it stood up, it was 30 feet, you know, tall, if it stood on its legs. And so it comes into town and all the guards aren't able to equip to deal with it. And it starts eating the guards, killing people and, you know, killing the guards. And it gets up to the gallows and knocks the gallows down. And you guys are free to go, essentially. So <laughs> they got so lucky during that. And and what do you think they did after that bear, you know, ravaged the town and all that? Um, what do you think? Do you think they ran away and escaped to safety? I mean, obviously they ran away and hid while the whole carnage was going on. But once they got in town, what did they did? They, they follow the bear tracks because the leader of the party was so determined to have that bear in on his team and his party. And um, I forget how he did it, but he managed to end up getting that bear on his team. Like he basically him and the party basically beat that bear to a pulp. And um, right before it was going to die, they charmed it somehow. I don't remember how I, I, and my notes don't say, obviously it just says, Oh, they befriended the bear after beating it to a pulp. And that bear ended up joining their party. It was basically their steed. So to say, I mean, it would, and come to find out that bear was actually a big scaredy cat too. It was just hungry. And that's why it went into town and wanted to eat some people. Um, but so yeah, that that has been. Those are some of my DM stories. Um, I, I got to tell more stories. I'm still reading through, through, and some of the stuff I did in this campaign was just insanity. Um, pretty some pretty cool story stuff too that I did. I have to say, and th- that's gonna be a time for another podcast. Uh, next up, we've got some Q and A, some questions and answers, and boy, do I've got some Q and A here, and I'm really glad that I got a lot of questions here. Um. Thanks to some other magic content creators asking me these questions and let's just get right on into it. 
All right, so let's just dive right into this Q&A here. So first question is from T1 Glistener Elf, friend of the show, and he's been on the show before. He asked me my thoughts on the PlayStation 5. So obviously the PlayStation 5 is not even out yet. There's really no official any kind of news about it, but we know it's coming, obviously. Um, so he sent me this article, linked me this article talking about it and possibly what we know and possibly what games may be on it, like the Death Stranding or Last of Us 2 may be on it. Um, it, it, if it's going to be anything like what they did with the PS3 to PS4, you know, I can see Death Stranding, Last of Us 2 being on PS4, then they just re-release it again on PS5 to make a remastered version or something like that. Um, so, I mean, my thoughts on it, I mean, obviously it's going to happen. Um, obviously I'm probably going to get one because I'm a Sony fanboy through and through Sony and Nintendo fanboy, you know, sorry, Xbox, I don't like you. And if you, if you listen to VCR gaming, you know, I don't like Microsoft too much. Um, but I mean, I, I, I really don't know what else to say because I don't really have many thoughts or opinions on it. Um, you know, it, it's happening. It's coming. When is it going to come? Is it going to come next year or the year after? Um, if I had to guess latest, it won't show up until early 2020. Um, I think next year there's going to be an announcement for it. Maybe maybe next E3 they're going to announce some um, PS4. But yeah, that's pretty much all I've got to say about that on that. Um, next question is from Cheshire Plays, um, content creator on Magic the Gathering who streams a lot on Twitch. Uh, he asked, should four-player EDH be casual or competitive? And if someone who is more competitive joins your table, should they tell you the competitive level of their deck? Um, a lot of that is going to be dependent on your playgroup. Um, I feel like either way, it's completely dependent on your playgroup. I enjoy both ways, being casual or being competitive. And um, EDH um, and you know, if someone who is more competitive joins your table, should they tell you the competitive level of their deck? Um, if the person who comes and joins the table obviously sees that people are playing more casual decks, I feel like it is a common courtesy to do so. Yes, say, hey, I'm playing a competitive deck here. Does everybody mind? And, you know, people should... Uh, there, there's that social contract of saying, yeah, you know, yes or no. You, Yes, you can play. No, you can't. You know, we're just trying to play casual here. Do you have a more casual deck? Now, I mean, th like I said, that is the common courtesy. Do people have to do that? No, people can be assholes, of course. Um, but to me, four-player EDH is casual. Um, th that's just in my opinion. Can it be competitive? Sure, if that's what your playgroup wants it to be. Um, I mean, it's, it's really either way, but I do, I do agree on a social decorum level that you should tell the table you're about to join, Hey, I'm playing a more competitive deck, but I notice you're all playing, you know, pre-con decks, you know, do you mind if I join or, you know, what I'll, what I'll do if I'm going out to just play EDH for a night is I'll bring a bunch of decks. I'll bring my more competitive EDH decks that are, a more high powered and then I'll bring my casual tribal EDH decks that they're still pretty strong but they're definitely not as good as my other ones right so you know it's pe people I mean, 
just like my episode a couple weeks ago, people just have to be nice and just be respectful and actually understand some regular social decorum here. Um, Man Cave MTG asks, is the internet hurting the MTG community more than it is helping? No, the internet is helping the magic community more than it is hurting because if we didn't have a magic community on the internet, who else would we have? We would just have everybody that's a local player. And, you know, I'm not saying like your local community is bad or anything like that, but the internet has opened up the doors to so many people. Um, if it wasn't for the internet, I wouldn't have a podcast right now. I wouldn't be answering your question right now, uh, man cave. I wouldn't have met so many people. You know, I've got a lot of, you know, people that I like to call friends that are on the other side of the United States. Um, I've got some that are across the pond over in the UK that, you know, I'll talk to on a regular basis and all that. And, you know, we, we've known each other for a couple years now, you know, and, um, it's, it's helping more than anything. Of course, there's always going to be the small vocal minority that is going to make things tough. And of course, there's always going to be politics involved in that, whether, you know, you think it's wrong thing or what have you. There's always going to be a subsect, a subset of people that are going to, you know, claim the sky is falling and people probably know who I'm talking about. And there's just a few people out there that are just, I mean, more easier to say they're just the trash of the community. And it and, you know, it, that's not just with magic, the gathering, I've been a part of many other communities. The most notable one that I was a part of for a very long time was the Starcraft community. Um, I was deep into Starcraft for a very long time for God, like seven, eight years before I felt fell out of it. Um, and that community had its share of problems too. And then of course they were the, there were the there were the dregs of society in that community as well, too, that were very shunned and all that. Very similar to magic. And, you know, people got along. Other people didn't. And there were a lot of the same problems that people will talk about in magic. I mean, maybe not to the same degree, but and and they were different problems, but very similar. Right. Um, but I wouldn't have met a lot of the people in the Stark I mean, without the internet. I mean, it's the internet is a very wonderful thing. It can connect people in so many different ways. And without it, we would all be in our own little bubbles, not really understanding the world at large is, is how I feel about it. So no, the internet is not hurting the magic community in any way whatsoever. Um, in any community you find, there are going to be a vocal minority that, you know, will try to cause havoc and harm to any kind of community. I mean, it's just human nature. It's natural. It's tribalism. Um, MTG strategists ask, have you ever caught someone cheating? So if you listen to my LGS horror stories, um, yeah, I caught the, the one guy, um, with his wife cheating, obviously many times in EDH. Other than that, have I ever caught someone cheating? Um, I've caught people, you know what I would deem misplaying, like maybe drawing an extra card or playing an extra land in a F and M, but it never felt to me that they were intentionally trying to cheat. Um, 
But other than the one guy that I mentioned in the LGS Horror Stories, which if you haven't heard that MTG strategist, definitely go back and check it out. It's it's a hoot and holler, a hoot and nanny. All right. It's how we do things in the South. Um, yeah, I've never really caught someone cheating besides him. Um, Harry TPS asks, what is the best D&D race and class and why is it half elf ranger um well you answered it right there it's half elf ranger i mean because half elves like tannis half elven from Dragonlance, he's a badass ranger was tannis half elven a ranger or was he more of like a fighter i'd actually have to look it up because there are stats it's fun to read those old books because if you look in the back of the books they actually have stats for the all the all the main characters and the bad guys they fight at least they did in the beginning um i don't know if they did that for all the books but they did it for the early books um and that was for what like second edition dnd or was it first i don't remember um i'd have to go back and look but um, my favorite dnd racing class um i'm a good old-fashioned elf guy and i will be honest dnd like tabletop role-playing games are the only times i like being a healer i don't mind being support at all i'd rather be support because i like helping everybody and making sure everybody stays alive um i I like being cleric to be honest it's you know I, i don't mind melee classes and i don't mind other kind of magic classes and i will say the cleric especially in 5e is so much better compared to previous editions i love the cleric in 5e probably my favorite class um so yeah, pr- probably an elvish cleric, probably wood elf more than anything. I, I do. Well, no, no, I'd probably pick high elf if I'm min maxing. I think the high elf is the better one for cleric, if I remember correctly. Um, King of Jank asks, as a fellow Crufix EDH player, what is your favorite aspect of Crufix, and why is everyone else wrong for not playing him? So my favorite aspect of Crufix, I'm sure I've mentioned, is the the amount of interest I can accrue while playing Crufix, um, the amount of mana I can hold and just play big, dumb, stupid spells because of it. Oh, I'm going to Genesis Wave for 30 or 40, because, you know, why not? I'm just going <laughs> to basically win the game at that point. Um, and why is everyone else wrong for not playing him? I mean, he's definitely not the quickest commander. I mean, you can ramp up early, but a lot of the strategy behind Crufix is to either get a lot of mana saved up early. Um, my buddy George likes playing Omniscience, so getting Omniscience out as early as possible so you can just play free spells all the time. Um, so he's definitely not the quickest EDH commander, but to me he's the most fun EDH commander. I love playing him so much. I He is so good to me that my oldest daughter that is the only commander she will play she she'll play other commanders and all that but crufix is her number one favorite so when we do get to play edh i never get to play crufix against her but i have shown her how to play crufix you know like i'll we'll play a game and then then i just have to say okay well let me show you and then i'll show her lines of play and all that stuff um edh academy asks is mass land destruction a legitimate deck strategy for any format or is it simply playing a degenerative deck um is mass land destructive legal in the format if yes then yes it is a legitimate deck strategy for any format is it a fun deck strategy no is lantern fun deck strategy no but it's legitimate because it is illegal they, there are legal la- mass land destruction cards so yeah it to me it's legitimate it's but it's not fun 
Um, just, I mean, if you're going to play competitive and you're going to play to win, do whatever you got to do to win. Um, if you're playing magic for fun and you're just going to play like, you know, more casual games and your idea of fun is just preventing everyone else from playing magic, then just go somewhere else, please. That, that that's, that's my thoughts and feelings on it. Um, last question of the night is from Jason Stoops, AKA T2TKS. Um, he asks, how do you deal with negative slash trollish reactions as a content creator? So I'll be honest here. I don't get a whole lot of negative, um, comments or emails or anything like that. But when I have, um, I honestly just take it in stride. Um, you know, you're going to get people that there's going to be people that don't like your content. You can't please everyone. And you know, you just need to understand that not everyone's going to like your content and that's okay. You, you're going to have people that hate your content or going to hate you for whatever reason. And you know what? That's okay. There's always going to be people that hate you out there. There's always going to be people that love you out there and love your content. And both of that is okay. You just need to realize you can't please everyone. And you know, how do I deal with it? I, the times that I have gotten negative content and all that stuff, I was so happy. I was more happy about that than getting all, because I do, I do get a lot of good comments and good, good reactions and good emails, by the way. It's, I, it's not that I don't get anything, but it's, I very rarely get anything bad, but, um, when I do, it's like, I'm actually happy about it because this person didn't hated me or disliked me so much that they spent that time to write up that email or write up that comment or tweet me on Twitter or DM me saying that I'm a piece of crap or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you for that. And, you know, I, and I can understand where they're coming from. You know, I've been there, done that. Um, there's still people I don't like in the magic community and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, I've had my fair share of, you know, run-ins with, you know, that kind of stuff and, you know, but I'm not going to go out of my way to tell them like, Hey, you suck and all that. I'm just going to like either downvote them or, you know, dislike them and move on. Cause it's like, I don't freaking care or hell. I don't even really do that anymore, but it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's going to happen. And you just have to understand that you're putting yourself out there, right? You're, you're putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself out there for people to criticize you and the criticism is going to happen. And yeah, there are definitely times, especially lately that I have not been on social media as much. And, you know, I just need that. And sometimes you just need to step away from the social media, step away from just doing content for a day or two, or maybe even a week or two. And that's okay too. You know, I mean, people aren't going anywhere. I mean, I understand this is such a fast paced world where we feel like we need to constantly keep up with it all. And if we're not making content, we're losing out. We're losing out on listeners, viewers, readers, all that stuff. But hey, you got to take everything in stride. You know, it's, it's going to happen. It sucks. And what can you do? I mean, it's, it's, I've talked about it in episodes before, you know, REBT, rational emotive behavior therapy, where if someone does say something negative about you, you know, or say something bad or disparaging about you, you know, a lot of common thought is, oh, I must be a terrible person and all that stuff. And, you know, I must be bad. I, I can't believe I did all this bad stuff. And this 
person hates me for it, you know, because my content is terrible. No, your content isn't terrible. You're not a terrible person. Um, you're not, you're not what that person is, that negative trollish person is claiming you to be. You are who you are. And the only person who can make you happy or validate you is yourself. You know, not letting other people dictate how you feel is going to do wonders for you. And I have episodes based on that. So you can go back and listen to them. They're very early episodes. Um, Maybe it's time to do another rational motive behavior therapy episode. Um, It's been probably over a year since I've done one. So maybe it's time to do another one then. Um, So that is the last question there. Um, I want to thank all of you all for bringing in those questions. And I love doing this kind of stuff. I, I really need to do Q&A more. It's just the reason why we're, I've tried to do Q&A in the past is I completely forgot. I forget that I want to do Q&A. And then I'm like an hour before I record like, hey, does anyone have any questions? And I get no takers. I'm just sort of like, oh, okay. Um, I'm just really bad at remembering some. Plus, I've been so busy lately, guys. I've been ridiculously busy it's 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 surprised that i can even get anything done lately but anyways um thank you all for listening to the show really appreciate it um you know hit me up if you liked any of any of it you know hit me up on twitter at magic facebook.com slash magic uh email me mtgzubi at gmail.com and yeah all right everybody have a great night